0: Welcome back to another episode of the Cast Patrol Podcast. We're joined with a special guest today, a man of many talents, big wave surfer, UFC <laughs> fighter and bravoi, Richie Vass, Welcome to the show. How are you, mate?
1: I'm good, guys. I'm good. Thanks for having us. Mate, looking very happy. Bit of spring in your step. Yeah, mate. I had a good day, actually. My daughter, she uh, has her graduation this afternoon. She's oh. only six, but at her school, they uh, she's in the one class for three years and this is the last day of, of that first little cycle of, they call it cycle one, so yeah. next year she goes in a... The next class, which is three to six, yeah, sorry, six to nine year olds. So it was, a, it was a big moment. So wow. I've come in uh, in very good spirits, very a uh, proud father, mother, <laughs> proud dad, yeah. proud yeah, dad. Yeah.
2: how good. Well, um, we'll get straight into it, Richie. Um, we we'll talk about Maroubra. You Obviously, grew up in Maruba. What, what yep. was that like? Can you tell us, like, you know, growing up in Maruba?
1: Mate, loved it. Yeah, like yeah. I feel so grateful to have uh to live the, uh, to grown up in the environment which I did. Yeah, you know? um, Maroochydore, and and down by the beach. I'm such an ocean kind of kid. I grew up, and my first passion. is Always been surfing, and yeah, you know, still is today. Um, nothing makes me happier than being in the water, and uh, whether it be diving, surfing, or you know, fishing in around the ocean, is, uh, has uh, has always sort of kept me an even keel you know, yeah, throughout yeah. <laughs> throughout uh, life. And um, yeah, and all my mates that, that I that I've acquired over the years and being part of the board riders since I was like 10 and, and just spending all my time down at yeah, McKean Street and, and uh, Marine <laughs> Parade, running around getting <laughs> yeah. in a Mischief and having fun. Yeah, it was a um, really special place to grow up and I, I'm very grateful to have experienced that as a young fellow.
0: Yeah, 2035. I'm from Maruba myself pretty much yeah. my whole life but can't <laughs> yeah. surf to save my life. <laughs> yeah, so no. can't relate 100% but Maroobah, it's one of, one of the most known things is the bra boys, right? Yeah. And for those listening, some people don't know what a bra boy is. They have a bad rep, good rep. People don't know. So, what is a bra boy?
1: Well, bra is, bra is just the last three Les Marubra. So, yeah. it just it all came about kind of around the ninety in the nineteen nineties when, the I guess um, it was a sort of uh, you know American gang mentality started rubbing off over here and there, yeah. there was um, a bit of drama coming in around the beach. So, the boys uh, are and, and that that group of guys from the beach has, has been named like several different names over the years, you now stemming back to the fifties and the forties, yeah. um, but like I said, around the nineties. Uh, ...with that gang mentality and trouble coming to the beach. The boys sort of banded together and said, oh, like we don't leave this area and cause trouble... ...but if, if trouble comes, we'll band together and protect our, our little patch of land... ...and uh, our patch of sand and, and that's where the Bra Boys came about there, yeah. If The boys said, well, I'll, I'll get it tatted on me you know, so to show how, how proud and 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 down I am for this area... ...and to, to look after it and, uh, and that's where it all came from, mate. Like, yes, around the 90s and then... Where are we now? Sort of forty years later. I mean. wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Still his, his protecting the boys. sand. <laughs> yeah, that no, was just you know, just that community that, that yeah, where we community. live and that um, you know where we're from and and like I said, there was like always oh, lots of trouble going around. So the boys just sort of like yeah, banding together to sort of look after each other and um, you know the the socioeconomic sort of um, state of the place. A lot of housing commission, a lot of people who didn't have the best uh, family home life. So yeah. that became their you know their family and. And uh, just a brotherhood and a, and a huge community of, of surfers who, who are from Aruba, and um, now the same goes for Bondi and Bronnie. You know they've all got their little surfing community, but ours is just, I guess a little bit more colourful with the name and the idea of a tattoo, and yeah. probably a little bit rougher because of that socio-economic surrounding. And uh, like I said, not only in Australia, but you get the same thing in Hawaii and America and all over the world. People are very proud of their mm. little patch of water, patch of sand, patch <laughs> yeah, of you know, yeah. community that they come from, and. Um, yeah, the Bra Boys came about and it obviously got a lot of notoriety through the media and the documentary and yep. a lot of the boys have, uh, have uh, got in uh, the media and, and, and gotten uh, attention for lots of wrong things <laughs> which, yeah, you, you can't shy away with these, um, mm. yeah, being lots of sort of negative and, and media which has been warranted and, yeah, the boys look definitely um aren't, all aren't angels and, and someone's <laughs> been very warranted. Yeah. Um. So there you go. I guess that's why it's gotten such a a reputation or such a uh, an interest, I guess, yeah. Now, when, when the name is brought up.
2: 100%. And you mentioned the documentary. What can you remember from that?
1: Yeah, that I mean, was just uh, all that. a yeah. wild time actually uh, in and around the making of the documentary or, or the lead up to it. Um you know, with a few incidents like Mark Matthews' twenty first, it made like you know national news because yeah. it was a big fight with um, you know the off off duty police because they had their their uh, Christmas party <laughs> above Mark Matthews' twenty uh, first birthday party, and that <laughs> Who all still, scheduled uh, that together. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone did. Uh, yeah, was it dot the eyes and cross the t's on that? <laughs> thing, but um. Yeah, and like, you know, many instances around that, you know, the Aberdon story and Tony Hines and all that kind of stuff. So yep. the documentary was just a, an opportunity to sort of tell our side of the story because so much of it was being said in and around the media and was mm. very misguided and um, I guess ill-informed. It was just an opportunity uh, kind of led by Sonny Abbott and Makaro D'Souza to put a documentary together about explaining and, and telling our story of uh, where the Bra Boys came from and, and the history of the area and uh, – you know um yeah the the, the story obviously with the, the tony Hines murder and all that kind of stuff um no one really expected to do as well as it did but yeah, yeah. it took out awards and became one of the, i think australia's highest grossing documentary so that was huge you know that was that, that that it it was great uh for many ways but also it did come with the flip side too which it there i guess the the vibe there changed a little bit after that. and got a lot of young crew coming down and and guys coming down maybe for the wrong reason or took the yeah. long message out of, out of the documentary and, yeah, for a few years after that, yeah, um, yeah there, there was a bit of, I guess, it was a strange place down there for sure to, to say, I guess to put it uh, kind of lightly and a lot of crew, I guess, made the generation um, below me, like the young guys, mm-hmm. um, yeah, unfortunately just I maybe mean, because of that um, attention brought to the place and uh, the idea of what it meant to be a bravo or what, what it, you know, what, yeah, I guess just at that age, not knowing how to maybe interpret some of the messages from the film. Just yeah, a lot of them got in trouble, and there's a yeah, lot of yeah. jail time, and a lot of um, yeah, a lot of stuff that maybe was uh, influenced from the documentary, or, or like I said, m- messages taken from the from the uh, the film um, that may not have been meant to be interpreted that way. You know?
0: Yeah. Oh, well, look, you can see like how how it went both ways. Like some people go, "Oh, that's what the Bible is." I, yeah, that's yeah. not that's not what I thought it was. Yeah. And some people like like you said, take the wrong sort of um, advice, on it, but. Yeah. Russell Crowe yeah, being yeah. like being the uh, narrator of the whole story. Did that? Did you ever get to meet him, or did that? Do you reckon that helped bring it even more? Into oh, the for sure. Media? Putting
1: Russell's name to the film catapulted it. You know, yeah, gave yeah. it gave it a global kind of um, credibility. Uh, but yeah he came down the park and introduced himself to everyone. We had really? like, like yeah, he got on the pits really. like and plus <laughs> obviously his affiliation with South and yeah. you know the Maruba such a, a, a South heartland it was, you know, Johnny Sutton being one of the boys and Renny Matu obviously being another, another player at the time who was on fire at the doggies. Um yeah, there were so many big characters down the beach and obviously, yeah, huge, huge South homeland and then uh, and Russell coming down was was uh Everyone was yes yeah, stoked stoked for him to be so so open, hospitable, and like and just so yeah easy to sort of likable. You know what I mean? Like he didn't yeah, come yeah. around and, and like yeah, he wasn't on a pedestal. Just came down and, and had a couple beers at the pub and, and did that a few times. And any um, good stories about him that you can mate, remember? You, you'd have to ask. Um, I, I I was like just getting in the fighting at the time, okay. so I wasn't <laughs> getting too loose. But there were, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there were a few nights. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. probably the wrong guy to ask. <laughs> <laughs> awesome
2: well big wave surfing we mentioned it earlier um how did, how did you get into that big wave surfing
1: yeah but, well growing up like, like i said the, the ocean was always something i was drawn to yeah. um my uncle he uh my mum's side of the family so my my mum's brother uncle mike he's uh he's a mad surfer like f- fanatical surfer he came from manchester england yeah, um really. from the housing estates over there with my mum, they both found their way over to australia but however he just got hooked on surfing and uh they lived on uh, in Avalon on the northern beaches, and yep. um, from as far back as I remember, I just always wanted to surf. You know, my mm-hmm. uncle, uh, my uncle Mike, my cousin Dan, uh, who's the same age as me, like we just loved to surf, and he was pushing in the waves. You now as soon as I could swim, and then I loved nippers um, down here at South Maroubra <laughs> and then I was in Maroubra Surf Club. <laughs> no good. So I just always wanted to be in and around the waves, and and then, and then um, joined the border when I was about ten. My dad, about the same time, moved down the beach, so I had a um, had a, like a little unit to stay at, yep. and I just. Yeah, joined the border rides and just was just fascinated by surfing and then just happened to be surrounded by some of Australia's best big wave surfers, you know? yeah, like yeah. And Kobe Aberdon, like Jamie Reed, Tony Seddon, Matt Howard, um, yeah, Wayne Cleveland, all these guys who were just like, Yeah, I just looked up to them as, as my heroes, you know. Yeah. Like we, we we laugh about it. like, you know, you grow up with these heroes who are like, you know, we got posts on the wall of people who are like living in another country, like Arnold Schwarzenegger or yeah. you know, someone like you know Floyd Mayweather or BJ Penn. But my heroes were what were, were right in front of me at the beach, yeah. so and they took me under their wing and uh, encouraged me, you know, if you want to come out and try and surf when it gets big, like we you know we'll give you whatever you need, we'll help you get out the back. Here's a board, here's a wetsuit. So, um, they really encouraged me to get out there and uh and, and uh give it a crack, and that, and I was hooked from there on in. And Went yeah. on a yeah an, an amazing run of adventures trying to uh, yeah chase the biggest, scariest waves we could.
2: Yeah, well, you surfed some of the most uh, the world's most dangerous breaks. Can yeah. you describe that feeling? Or what, what's the feeling when you're out there?
0: Because yeah. I'd be shitting myself. Yeah, I'd oh, we well, oh. are.
1: Yeah, absolutely shitting yourself. You know, yeah. and it, how,
0: it, it how tall are we talking these waves and breaks?
1: Um, around that that time too, like it was it was really hard to put a gauge on the size of the waves because yeah. it wasn't only the height, but it was just like the mass, the volume of water that was folding over these reefs because we. Uh, ...this uh, term called slab surfing really took off around that time... and ...which was waves that just, just hit a really shallow level and just kind of just... ...folded over themselves and the, just the, the, how thick the waves were were almost uh, more like... ...intimidating the actual height of the waves. Yeah. And how, how dry the reef that they were breaking on... ...how class in, in front of rocks they were breaking. So like waves like Cyclops in Western Australia, Shipstones in Tasmania... ...you know there's several waves around Sydney that uh, really kicked off around that time so... Yeah, it's really hard to put a gauge on, on that. I'd say like saying the waist height was never really doing it justice. Yep. You know, mm. when there's like several lips involved and um, yeah, a barrel that might you know you could drive a car through. It's uh, <laughs> two words. Yeah, it pretty wild. Fucking big. <laughs> yeah, yeah, big enough, big enough <laughs> to, uh, to uh, do some damage. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's amazing. Like, I, I, like I kind of um, I, I always laugh about it because uh, like I've always been a small fella. And I've always like had this like small man syndrome, you know, and, uh, and that's what got me into all these things like big wave surfing, mixed martial arts cause yeah. I'd always just speak before I actually thought it out, you know. I'd say, yeah, I'd go and surf that, you know. Like someone <laughs> said, you go when it's ten foot. Yeah, yeah, I am. And, uh, next day it's ten foot. Well, go on then. So <laughs> 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 fell out and the same with MMA, you know. We started doing jiu and I liked a bit of boxing. You Can you do it mate? Yeah, I'll fucking do it, mate, for sure. You know? <laughs> and then opportunity popped up. So, you <laughs> so uh, yeah, start off as a joke. It ended up in yeah, uh, a, a, a whole chapter in a book I wrote. So it was yeah. – uh, that's yeah.
0: mental. That's from that. Just one thing.
1: Well, uh, yeah, I generally, and, and once you start doing something too, like that, I want you to start pedaling out in big waves, like you said, and like, you know, what, what's that feeling like? It, yeah. it is addictive, you know? And then you, you are shitting yourself, and sometimes I got washed in just like with my towel between my legs. But um, realise that i survived still. You know, I mean, yeah, It wasn't yeah. as bad as I yeah. thought. So let's, next time I'll paddle back out and I'm, I might get one. And then you get that one wave and your confidence builds. And, you you know, the thrill of that wave is, like, is addictive. And then you paddle back out again and, you know, your confidence is a bit higher. Yeah, and, you yeah. know, your ability is, is, you know, is improving as well. And and it's just the camaraderie with mates out there who are cheering you on. And um, it's super addictive. And that, and, I, and I still love doing that today, you know. I'm still yeah. always watching the forecast and the waves are going to get big. I try and... Clear a bit of work and, <laughs> and make sure I can get out there with some mates because it's it's uh, yeah it's amazing and it's again it's the same with mixed martial arts you know it wasn't it was I started doing individual components obviously like boxing and then jiu yeah. and and then you start trying your hand at you know building a little bit of experience with it each and then you start sparring and then you start you know realizing well maybe competing isn't too mm. too big a stretch and then you mm. try that and again that's, it's addictive as well you know. yeah your confidence builds with it and um, yeah once you start. In that rush It's hard to sort of ignore hard to go back yeah.
0: But yeah Because I was going to say Like MMA wasn't Huge in Australia When you were sort of Starting out like 15 years ago I'm going to say now Yeah First further. fight was uh, so you,
1: like,
0: 2006 Yeah like How do you that. find your way Into those Just start from Pubs <laughs> Pubs scraps Into but, <laughs> Go to Well it?
1: that You know Like I said That small man syndrome Always always felt like I had a point to prove, like, I could hang with the older guys, I could hang with the bigger fellas, you know, yeah. you know even when I was playing footy as a kid, I was always just, like, a little number nine, but Ooh. I just, went, all I want to do was tackle, you know what I mean? Were you fast out of dummy half? Yeah, a couple of show and go, <laughs> <laughs> a, a few little run-arounds, <laughs> yeah. uh, a, a couple of premiers with the Meadow Tigers, so oh, okay. we got a couple of trophies, but, um, yeah, like like... Unfortunately, like many young fellas growing up, yeah, I thought that's what it was to uh, know, write a passage of how to prove yourself as becoming a man, it was to go out and, and get into blues and yeah. you know and never run from a fight or and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, so that was always though, Like yeah, I guess I had that little tough guy mentality. Yeah. I wanted to try and prove myself in all the wrong ways. So then when I was introduced to martial arts through Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and boxing and being able to focus that energy and, and focus, uh, I guess. ...that need to prove yourself as a young guy. Um, you know, MMA was a perfect avenue and and then, yeah, like I said, I, I loved the training... ...and and um, yeah, the introduction to MMA came in such a... ...you know, looking back, such a great time in my life... ...because it's when I was getting into trouble and I was, you know, I guess... ...suffering from that mentality of uh, trying to prove myself in all the wrong ways... ...and you know, i get blind drunk... ...get in the pub fights, get in trouble, go to court... ...all that kind of dumb shit that I thought was uh, was cool. Mm. Um, MMA dragged me away from that, you know... ...and gave me an avenue to still feed, I guess, those urges of that combat... ...or I guess, you know... That the adrenaline rush as well. Yeah, yeah. and like proving, I guess, so, so, yeah, you still want to... Um, ...you know, that, that coming of age and you want to try and like... ...I guess, get attention from people and yeah. get recognition, you know what I mean? all those things you sort of are striving for at that age, you know... Um. Yeah, but uh, but MMA just gave me a perfect avenue for it, and but it came with discipline and commitment and routine and all that mm. kind of stuff that I was lacking in life. Uh, that I'm still so grateful uh, uh, are there now. Because
0: yeah? I was going to say you were in. You trained firstly with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and then yeah. I was going to say, how does that striking game come apart into the MMA? But you sort of answered it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, lo- that, I always love <laughs> boxing. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was lucky to grow up in Maroubra. It was such a huge part of. Of that life down there, you yeah. know, like fights were so common. You yeah. know? It was in the days before phones and the days before cameras, and there was blues on the beach all the time <laughs> in the pub. The pub was just like the Wild West, you know what I mean? <laughs> I would just, and just see shit kick off, and it was just it was just a part of, yeah. of life. And, and um, having, you know, scuffles at school or, you know, scuffles down at the beach um, or at parties, it was, it was just no big deal, no big thing, you know, yeah. like, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, I guess I, I was drawn to that a little bit, and then I used to love hitting the pads with friends. And yeah. and um, like I said, there were some boxers in our community, like Ronnie Reardon who fought for Australian title. Oh, yeah. And in my generation, there was you know um, Kurt Barham, who also fought for Australian title, and Kobe Abbott, who I who I grew up with, idolizing. He was always big on training and, and being fit for big waves, and, yeah. and he loved boxing as well. So always holding the pads in backyards and garages and sparring. You know what I mean? And and um, thinking we knew what we were doing. So. Um, yeah, once I started doing jiu-jitsu, I thought, like, I could do a bit of grappling. I sort of thought I could throw a few punches as well. I thought <laughs> yeah. so that's enough to train MMA, you know. Yeah, 100%. What was um
2: the training regime like, you know, obviously in the lead up to a fight and how did you sort of balance, you know, physical and sort of mental preparation? Yeah, it, it
1: changed a lot over the years, Yeah, you know? as did my approach to MMA and uh, my mentality towards it. I, like, literally when I... Like, I, uh, I was just doing jiu jitsu and doing, doing jiu jitsu comps, like in the gi while were hardly doing it. And we weren't doing much no gi. I, I basically had no wrestling, but I, I, like I said, I was a pretty good footy tackler. So yeah. like, you know, yeah. my idea was a takedown, was just a good old, you know, bootlace tackle, <laughs> like get me shoulder in, into his guts and try to hold, and, hold and him and down re- get,
0: for three seconds, yeah. wait for the rest call. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: It was just like a good old footy tackle. So, <laughs> I did know a bit of um, a few com- uh, jiu jitsu competitions, so like the New South Wales Federation Cup, and I had a bit of success there. So, like, I thought I. Um, I thought at that stage too Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was almost unheard of in Australia. Yeah. So, and we came from a really good academy uh, at, at Gracie with Bruno Pano, Pano …who was a direct um, like black belt from Hoyle Gracie. So we thought we were like a little bit ahead of the, ahead of the game. Yes. And we were doing really good as, as an academy at all the um, the grappling tournaments. So um, it was basically, yeah, just my, my grappling. and I, was, I think I'd just become a, a blue belt and, uh, and hidden the pads in my mate's garage, you know. And, I, um, and yeah, I took a fight at Caloundra. Again, because I would probably spoken a little bit too soon before I thought out the whole <laughs> um, idea of stepping in the cage. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I committed to a fight and then was shitting myself into the lead up. But, um, yeah, didn't know how it would pan out if I'd yeah. walk into the, the cage and just freeze and get the shit punched out of me. Yeah. But um, Was it like a proper event? Like it was a proper event, yeah. yeah. It, was called, uh, it was called Warrior's Realm that, yeah. that then became CFC, Cage Fighting Championships, which yeah. was like one of the biggest promotions in, in Australia at the time. And uh, it was against Michael Mortimer, who's a who's a legend, and I ended up you know, <laughs> fighting him twice, and he's uh, he, two wins, he got two wins, yeah. But yeah, I was, um, yeah, like I shit myself because he he'd had two wins already when I yeah. went for my debut, and and uh, he you know he was had a bit of hype around him, and I, I basically just closed my eyes, swung with the fences, and caught him <laughs> with the right hand, you know, and um, and uh, yeah, surprised myself as long as I'm sure as much as everyone else to um, to win uh, via knockout, and then. Yeah, fought him a few years later, and he went on from that fight to win like seven or eight undefeated like fights oh, undefeated, wow. and yeah, then man. I had all these titles in Queensland, and we had a rematch, <laughs> and uh, That's cool but yeah, like player. I said, I didn't know how it was how it was all going to pan out, but yeah, I got the win, and uh, again that 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 uh, that addiction and that and that yeah. buzz and that that adrenaline rush, and I was just hooked, and uh, and also the, the the training and the sacrifice that went into it, I'd like I did take it pretty serious, you yeah. Know? Um, even in the early days, I you know, I trained five days a week. I, I was still going out and making a mess of myself you know, from Friday to Sunday. Yeah. Um, but I thought if I trained from Monday to Friday, that I, I was doing enough and um, even it out. Yeah, even <laughs> out like a bit of running and a couple of <laughs> sessions with a, a few pad sessions. Yeah, and of course a, as. The, you know, the fights went on, opportunities got bigger, and, and I took it more seriously. It, the The routine was pretty intense, you know, yeah. especially towards, you know, the middle of my career, and then into the UFC. It was like I was lucky enough to have uh, some support from some sponsors like like Ruka and, and Rhino mouthguards here at Clay Valley. Yeah. Pretty um, sure he lives
0: literally right there. Rhino mouthguards, Pauline, the legend. He's a good bloke.
1: the best family ever. They, oh, I still pop in and say good day, and yeah. they still uh, they still throw me gloves or what? What do you need, Rich? Yeah. You know, so, <laughs> Yeah, I, I was able to focus purely on fighting. Where I was, um, that's all I was doing. So I was like, it was like between fifteen and twenty sessions a week. I was trying to squeeze yeah, in. Out. Now, at this stage, it was no longer just boxing and and jiu-jitsu. It was like wrestling more. And are you still
0: working full time at this point? Is it just one hundred percent training with,
1: with, the, with the help of sponsors? I, yeah. I was able to just you know just focus and like. I was sort of bit of carpet, like if if I could fit in, like maybe like like a month or two out from the fights. But then as the fight got closer, I just, you know, everything narrowed in. I got tunnel vision. But really, I I could really just focus on on uh, on training. So um, yeah, and that's when you were squeezed. I had strength and conditioning, like physio. I had a nutritionist, all that kind of stuff to really try and um, make weight, which was became a a big part of it Um, as I was into the UFC phase of my career and. Yeah, it was, it was pretty fun. It changed a lot from the early days of getting getting pierced for three days, <laughs> the, and then um, yeah, a couple of days training. Yeah,
0: I find it mental that like you enter a ring and you're standing across someone that you're like, oh, I'm going to get hit here. Like me and Jim haven't been in a fight. We no. fought each other once yeah, in your ten. He it rubbed was... me up the wrong way in, in soccer. Grabbed me on the back of head. I just, just kept annoying I just, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, just tunnel vision. Kept him turned around, <laughs> left hook to the chin, and we both thought each other and went. What was that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. He's like in shock.
2: Like, yeah. yeah. So,
0: like, w- what is it when you go in there? Are you just like, I just got to take that first punch and then I'm ready? Or does the adrenaline just start? Oh, uh, fight or flight straight away.
1: Yeah, mate. Yeah. For me personally, I think everyone's different. Some people fight on emotion. I, yeah. I always found it best if I, if I was as calm as I could be. I yeah. was, that's. Uh, I was always working on just a few trigger yep. words in my head that, like, we're gonna keep me on the game plan, you know, and mm. keep me focused on what I was needed to do. But it it is a pretty overwhelming, um, you no know, thought that you're sitting yeah. across the cage from someone. There's no one else but you and him, and he's been uh, spending the last you know two three months with the sole yeah. focus of punching the shit out of yeah. yeah. you. Yeah, and know, he'll be going in front of hundreds or thousands of people to to see um, you know, who comes up trumps. And yeah. and, and he that,
0: knows you better than you probably know yourself. He's watched every fight every yeah, second. Yeah. Just and done, he's, done the he's, research.
1: His corner screaming things at him that like you know like. Things like, you know, like, they might say something like, hey, he keeps the left hand down, you're like, fuck. Like, they don't, they don't so obviously they've been doing their homework or whatever yeah. it is. But, uh, yeah, I was always just trying to keep calm, you know, keep just yeah. the simple things, keep um, keep focused on my breathing and, and just keep focus on the game plan and, and then once you get in there and, yeah, after that few minutes and once you do get hit and you get, you start to feel your opponent's strength and feel, you know, their movement, um, you do see them settle in and, you know, yeah. get a little into a bit of a groove and and uh, relax a little bit, you know. Um, yeah, but it is a pretty surreal feel, feeling and I'd say it took a while to get used to and then I'd say, I'm never sure if I even totally did get used to it. You know? but there was definitely mm-hmm. some fights I was much more comfortable than others and some fights uh, then uh, the head wasn't quite there. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any like um, pre-fight superstitions or rituals that you used to do? Not really, but I used to like to try and do like little things. It wasn't like a, I didn't have a secret like. Like pair of socks or undies. <laughs> I didn't have like a, any kind of rituals, but yeah. I just like do my, my my warm ups and my little yeah. routines properly. You know what I mean. Like to do all my my little stretches and get on the foam roller and yeah, maybe have like something to eat maybe an hour out or you know just like yeah, yeah, things, yeah. Just like things that like were told to me by my nutritionists yeah. or my, my trainers to say like you yeah, know this will think will work best or let's get warm around this time. I'll just try to you know, do all my little things like yeah. that. Um, yeah, but no like no lucky mouth guard or no <laughs> no. no uh, yeah, same no pair of wrap, underwear no every fight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Sickening. Look, yeah, so let's, let's jump to the UFC now because yeah. this is one thing that I remember because I was sort of growing up with the UFC, 2012, 2013. I was just at a normal age that I could start to handle the violence. Yeah. Parents were like, yeah, you can watch it, fine, whatever. And Ultimate Fighter, season 16, when it was in Australia, was yeah, yeah, yeah. probably the biggest thing for me. And I was like – this is so cool. The Smashers, the best from the UK, best from the Aussies. Yeah. And obviously you being on it, Marubra boy. Hello. Like he's <laughs> he's spike up. You go, oh yeah, here we go. Yeah. We got a Marubra boy on it. But like, how does how do you find your way into that? Like, do you get a tap on the shoulder after a fight saying, mate, Dana's Dana's mate, calling you up?
1: No, I wish it was that easy. Yeah, it was it's a hard slog, yeah. You know? Uh regardless of where you're from, any part mm. of the world to to you know, that path to the UFC. Um. Obviously, when I first started fighting, the option wasn't even there because the weight classes anywhere below lightweight, um, they weren't in, weren't in the UFC. So, um, a, a, as the years went on, and, and obviously in and around uh, a few years before that, um, Smashes Ultimate Fighter series came about. They introduced uh, banner weight, featherweight, and I think featherweight. Sorry, flyweight had just come in. Around the smashes. But so
0: what, what kilos are we talking for the people that So, so
1: lightweight's about 71 kilos. Yeah. Feather weight's about 66. Uh, Bantam weight's about 62. And fly weight's about 57. Okay. So, um,
0: 57 kilos. Yeah. You're almost a jockey. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um,
1: mate, I met a few cutting weight in the saunas too, so. <laughs> 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 but, um, mate, yeah, obviously just just do your best on the local circuit, you know. I... I I was uh, fighting here, uh, fought over in Auckland, fought down in Melbourne. Just, just trying to stay as busy and uh, as active as I could. Um, just initially, just to get bigger and better fights. And then when the introduction of the weight classes went into the UFC, I was like, okay, that could be a reality now if I yep. if I keep a healthy record. And you now I, I was um, I was pretty lucky too. I was still surfing at the, t- at the time and um, doing my best as like a you know uh, like a semi professional big wave surfer and, and getting a little bit of a, a profile in that regard. So I. That probably stuck me out a little bit different to all the other fighters who were just fighting on the local scene that, um, yeah, I had a little bit of a crossover. Yeah. And then, yeah, we, we found out, um, you know, as the whole MMA community did, that they're going to do the smashes here in Oz and the, the weight classes were going to be lightweight and welterweight. Um, obviously not my weight class yep. but… yeah. Opportunity was too good to miss <laughs> up so I was fighting uh, out of TP gym down at Caring Bar with like Manny Rodriguez and Rory O'Connell, Mike Anderson. We had a really good MMA uh, team, you know, and probably there's a really good gym up in Brisbane called um, what's it? Adrian Pang's gym. What's it? um, it'll come to me. <laughs> um, integrated martial arts Yeah. yeah. and um, we were like, yeah, so everyone knew about it and, so they set dates when the trials are going to be here in Sydney. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, everyone just turned up for him. you know. You had guys, um, you know, huge guys trying to make world of weight, little, young guys trying to make world of weight. No one ever about their real weight class, you know. They just, they just want crack. to make the show, yeah, just and get if I'm on. going to start. And, and that was just oh, my man. mentality too. Like, look, I was fighting at Bannerweight at the time. I had a few fights at Featherweight. I um, uh, had a pretty good record, so I thought I'm just going to go in, give it a crack and, and – um, yeah not die wondering and we went went through the the whole tryout process you know went over a few weeks yep. and uh yeah I was lucky enough to start as a lightweight uh Manny got in as uh, as a welterweight uh Rob Whitaker made a, as a as a welterweight as well so we had a you know a, a pretty a pretty cool side and got yeah lots of mates from that show that I still don't speak to today and yeah it was it was a wild experience being put in a house full of uh Know uh, Aussie fighters taking on the other guys from UK, from yeah. you know England and Ireland, and and they were a pretty uh, colorful bunch as well. And, <laughs> but just just that that um, pressure cooker environment too was was something I didn't expect to be as hard as it was. You know. Yeah.
0: So what was the house like? Is it just training, 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 sleep, wake up, training? Yeah.
1: And and they they you know and they tweak all of that to create drama. You yeah, know yeah, I mean? yeah. Like it's you know there was no TV, no reading, there was no other sort of. No stimulus, sort of Yeah thing. other than like You'd come home from the gym And you'd sit there You'd eat And then you'd play a bit of pool Or you know the, beer, the fridge is full of beer And drinks <laughs> like, Trying to encourage you know, like, <laughs> Those guys would get Knocked out They were getting messy And you know, just trying to create Good, good, uh, good footage Could you, you know, surf good, yeah. Could you surf could leave you? the house Oh no, you were like, probably it, skits in it. <laughs> Yeah and it was weird Because it was in Sydney The house was in Double Bay Like Darling Point A beautiful huge mansion But um, it kind of made it harder Because I could I will, Sometimes we'd we'll drive past places yeah. Where like you know I was Making me homesick, and you know, I was missing my mates, my family. Um, so that, yeah, obviously, you had no contact to them, and, and it was just literally at yeah, the gym, the house, the gym, the house, Jeez. the same group of blokes. <laughs> Conversation, you know, was going pretty dry, and uh, <laughs> yeah, and then as guys, guys, leaving the competition, they'll get on the piss and carrying on, like you know, like uh, like nitwits and just trying to <laughs> irritate everyone. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was hard, just um. Just being that pressure cooker and, and just sticking on that track. Mundane, that just that that um that groundhog day. How long was it for? Like how long? It was were you in six this? weeks. That's yeah. a long time. And it was like yeah, like George Dolores, who was our coach. He mm. was um he's pretty old school. It was just, like train every day, no days off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, he had me doing like um soft like sand dunes down at Cronulla like the day before <laughs> my fight. Like <laughs> and so it was just like it was a grind, you Non-stop. know. And um yeah, yeah like the. The actual training, the experience, and the mates and the camaraderie made, and even the pommy, the pommy guys that uh, uh, who were in there, in the Irish, I still seen quite kind of a few of them. You know, there was, there was some great guys. Uh, so it was a, a great experience. Harder for many reasons I didn't expect, um, but yeah, rewarding as well. So it, it was unreal.
0: And uh, Rob Whitaker, we touched on it before. Obviously, yep. he went through and won the whole competition. Yeah, he became the champion. Yeah, UFC champion. Um, lost his belt to Sunday, but still, he's in the top two, top three now in his division. Could you tell back then that he was going to be the champion he is today? Or
1: I, I was always, yeah, he always had this little X factor. Like he yeah. just, he had this, this laser beam focus and this um, not an arrogance, cockiness, but like just this belief that like we were in the house with these with these English fellas and Irish fellas, and they were huge. Like the the the, the, the weights were so much bigger than our weights. Yeah, and they were brash and they were cocky and they were scary looking fellas. And they were like, you know, you could see them training sometimes, and you. Man, like they had a much bigger pool to pick from than we did, obviously. They obviously not just one country; they had Ireland as well, and you know the whole United Nations, um, United Kingdom. Um, So they had this like a little bit more of an aura about him, you know. He said quiet Rob, who was just soft spoken, stuck to himself. But every time a fight came around, I was I we became good mates in the house, and I'd be helping him cut weight, and I'd go up and make him a smoothie after he made weight, and (laughs) he'd just sit in his room and just be like, "I want to murder this guy." I really? fuck oh, man! This car. And he wasn't saying it in front of a crowd to be like it was just me and him. Like I was giving him smooth, or giving like you know, just helping him out yeah. so he could, like, You know, recoup after making weight. And he was, mate, I want to hurt this fucker. up fight. And I was like, he, he was saying because he he just believed it. And I yeah. was like, and you'd go in there and do exactly that. You demolish more. And then you know I was lucky enough to be in the UFC when Rob was in the UFC. So we will you know going on the same fights. So we were always cutting weight together, and we were training partners at that stage, and we had our same coaches and. Yeah, he just had this like um just this this cool, calm confidence, you know, this self belief. Mm. And uh but and when it, as the fight got closer and like, like after Wayne and even even the lead up to like when he knew his opponent and he was around him, like he didn't want to talk to him, he, he was never rude or like talk trash, but he was like, I don't want to talk to him, I just want to like he was just like in the zone laser focused on wow. you know, his bloke and uh Paid that, that was it. the same in the UFC, you know, you just it was nothing ever personal. Yeah. But he just he's like he just wanted I had the taste of blood in his in his mouth he just wanted to get out there and, and get the job done and uh they did it, all that all the way up until you know the waterweight goal sorry middleweight gold so yeah was, it was amazing to see and good for yeah. the Aussie sport huge, huge. Yeah. I mean for the whole notes obviously the uh you know, NZ and yeah, this whole yeah. region you know what I mean now you look at guys coming to you know New Zealand you got Volk you know obviously here in Australia Bam uh, Bam 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 that Tyson Man, like the, our stable of fighters is huge now. You know all the boys in, going, in, in yeah. WA who just went were on fire. Um, you know last month, um, yeah, I can't keep up with it.
2: Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Well, you mentioned before you fought at a few different weight classes in, in your time, uh, which is
1: quite impressive. Yeah. Which weight class did you feel the most natural? Um, yeah, looking back. I got my given opportunity to find the UFC at um at flyweight and I and I jumped at it knowing I could make the weight because I was yeah. making band and weight pretty easy like without cutting a whole lot of weight without any really structured weight cut plan or yeah. nutrition plan. So um, actually in the house I met their nutritionist Dean Amasinga who was a great guy and um yeah post the house we stayed in contact goes yeah you'll make flyweight mate we could get a little plan going yeah. so um yeah when I was given the opportunity I jumped at it and I, and I made flyweight flyweight every time but I just noticed that. The process of getting down there mm. w- it just took too much from me. Like I just really didn't enjoy training. The focus was always on the number on the scales, not the performance in the gym, and yeah. the stress was always about my weight, not really like how I'm feeling and my you know uh, my approach to the fight. So looking back and, and obviously fighting at, at, at lightweight, uh, my my ideal weight is and weight. You know? Yeah, um, it's not you know it's a little bit of a cut, but um, I'm enjoying training all the way up until fight day. Um, I've only got to focus on my weight cut like the week of the fight, yeah. And it, even then, it's not like there's not a stretch to get down to sixty two, and yeah. Since then, I fought it like uh, after the UFC, I fought again at Bannerweight and it was great. And then I even jumped in and made it my pro boxing debut, which was around that weight, is like mm. 63 and a half wow. which was just it's easy, you know. So you can really enjoy the whole fight camp, and like, yeah. I mean, that's why that's why I started fighting in the first place. So I love the training, I love. Everything about it, um, getting down to the flyweight, it took all that from it. You know, yeah. I was just some days I was just dreading getting out of bed and going on training, and I was always just looking at the clock like, "When's this session going to So I <laughs> yeah. can I have my blueberry and yeah, You're always hungry as well. always hungry. Please yeah. give me food.
0: Give me yeah. food. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, you ended up fighting in the USC Had four fights, yeah, yeah. and I mean, you won one of them. as got, well. Yeah, I got the nod so over. So uh, forever a,
1: a UFC fight winner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was tough, mate. It was. Um, yeah, I, I got a win over in New Zealand, which which was great, and then uh, I let one slip here in in, in Sydney, which uh, that, that one, yeah, I, that still stings because Lewis Smolke, he's a he's a great competitor from Hawaii, and sort of had that one in the bag until the, the third round, <laughs> when he caught me with a head kick just um, out of nowhere. It was yeah, like t- yeah, ten seconds in or something. Yeah, it came st- straight through my my guards. So I hats off to Lewis, and yeah, and then um and there's a few fights where like hats off to my opponent, my head just wasn't in, it and I just uh, I, I just. Yeah, he didn't mentally show up. So it's a whirlwind a of emotions, you know, stepping in the cage and, and trying to tick all those boxes and make sure everything's right come fight night. But, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my run. And, and it's it's funny, like, I'm a few years removed from it now, but at the time, like, I was always regretful, you know what I mean? The yeah. fights I lost and they really stung and I, and I could never really be happy with my career mm. or happy with the way things turned out because – as my career sort of progressed i kept moving the goalposts further and further yeah, back yeah. you know um and i didn't quite you know i wanted to make a good run in running the ufc and i didn't quite get there which left me like a little bit bummed out after but then thinking back like when i first started training and start, first started fighting mma someone had said like you want to make the ufc and you now get to win the ufc and do this you'd be like Fuck off no way yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like, you mean, as you said as the career goes on you keep moving the the goalpost back and and now and i've been a few years removed from it i'm actually can sit back and like just really enjoy you know, the journey that was and, and, and all the experiences that came with it and, and, and the achievements as well. So,
0: especially yeah. as well, like you look at the UFC now and the landscape of it, like it's so tough to make the UFC. Yeah. And like yeah. you see the talent that even if they're at the bottom of the rankings, you go, Jesus, they are a baller and a half. Mate, like, it is. It, it's, yeah, um,
1: yeah it's, you know, it is the elite of the elite. And um, it, it's cutthroat. Like, you know, I just signed a new four fight contract. Uh, I signed a first fight, first, first four fight contract um had a win loss and then i think a loss and then they gave me because i even the loss in smoker like they said almost got five of the night so they gave me another another four fight contract which i was stoked with and then um went down to melbourne for the rousey fight and fought on that card and um yeah that's just one of those ones i just didn't show up for and and then lost and then just got yeah, you know, ain't got cards so it's like it's cutthroat so you not only do you have to go in there and perform but is it, all the added pressure of like yeah. Yeah, i felt yeah. like Now's the time to put your absolute best performances on. You know, which yeah. I mean, can sometimes um can come out of the bite in the ass, you know. But it was, yeah, it, it, it's cutthroat. So the guys like Rob and the guys like Volk who have, have stayed you know at the top and made it to the elite level of the division and stay there and won the title, man. It's fucking, it's wild. It's it's yeah, such a cool. huge achievement, and um you know they got the, every killer in the world aiming at them. You know what I mean? And they're just they're just knocking them off one by one and staying at the top. So. The boys are on fire, like I said. You, bam, bam, Tyson. I mean, we we got a list of fighters now that are just are uh, flying the flag so well. It's um it's just great to be a part of it and just yeah. be a fan and watch it all you know go on.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And just post your fighting career, Richard. You you I read that
1: you're volunteering down at PCYC
2: and and stuff like yeah. How's all that going, mate?
1: Just... Great. We we me and uh and a uh, mate Lewis Regis and Wade Mathias from Shack Youth, Youth Services. Yeah, Lewis Regis has SRG Muay Thai at. Uh, at, at alexander on Botley Road. Yeah, it just came about. We were just doing stuff originally in the back of the surf shop down the beach. Some just yeah, just right. young kids just showing them some pads and we made like a little makeshift boxing ring out of leg ropes. Yeah. Um and we started doing like a weekly thing and Lewis started come down and structuring the classes a bit better and my man of mine Wade mathias who worked for the uh, the Shack youth services got on board and then the PCYC got window and then we started doing a program called the Back and Track program, mm. which was just kids from like under sixteen. Uh, all the way down to, like, you know, 10-year-olds, 11-year-olds yeah. who were just uh, maybe doing the best home life or getting a bit of trouble. Just introducing them to a little bit of routine, a bit of healthy eating, some healthy, uh, like, habits in life in terms of training. And, um, yeah, it, it was really good to be part of because we had some great results. We had some some sceptical parents at the, at the start. You know, like, yeah. you now my kids get in trouble for getting a bit of riffraff. Why are you teaching them how to fight? And, burn, <laughs> like, and then they saw the changes and what it brought into their child. Yeah. Now about it, we all had to shake hands and bow at the end and we all – yeah, like, it's funny because – the class wasn't just the kids from the program. The class was mixed with the whole general population class. Yeah. So, you know, you could have this little 16-year-old kid who thinks, yeah, uh, you know, he's, he's king of the world and walking with his chest puffed out and then there might be a 40-year-old uh, – sorry, a 40-kilo like, little hairdresser there, girl <laughs> who just like punches the shit out. <laughs> like, yeah, it's a really good way of uh, bringing a bit of uh, humility into that, you know, th- those young kids who just um, maybe have not had that kind of experience before and, and just, yeah, change their perspective on life and introduce them to some, some people like Lewis and Wade and um, – yeah, the, the the results were great, and some of the kids went to have uh, amateur careers, and you know, yeah, took it on. So it was awesome.
0: That must make you proud, like seeing that like all the lessons that you sort of learned in your career that you can just pass them on and see them excel. Yeah, in, and not, and not you
1: know. in the lessons so much um, you know, as a professional fighter, but just the lessons of what martial arts taught me. Mm. You know I mean, yep. like I said, I was introduced martial arts a little bit later in life, you know, like around my late teens, early twenties, and when I was getting into like a bit of you no know, dumb stuff myself, but. Um, but uh, with the introduction of martial arts it really sort of uh, ch- changed my trajectory yeah you know? and um I was I am mean, forever grateful for that so if I could introduce that to a kid who's 10 you know what I mean who's just who's getting into a little bit of like riffraff or you know hanging with the wrong crowds introduce like a new whole new community which you know and was like discipline and respect. Everyone shakes their hands Everyone's hands, and you're rolling on the mats. with you know, like I said, like yeah. you might yeah. be rolling at ten and rolling around like a little six year old who's like <laughs> tying your knots. It's like it, it, it's a, it's really like humbling experience. So um, yeah, martial arts and, and what, whatever kind of martial arts, whether it be like Muay Thai, Karate, uh, they're great for the kids. Great for people of any walk, any age. Yeah. I can't recommend them enough. So um, yeah, it's great to try and open that door to some kids who who um, who may. Never even know I was there.
2: Yeah, hundred percent. And if you had to give one piece of
1: advice to you know young Australian fighters coming through, like what would it be? Um, yeah, like don't let the fear of failure get in the way. You yeah, know? don't let um, yeah, don't, yeah, don't let that don't. It's all experience, you know. Yeah, what I mean? and and don't let take opportunities and and. and 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 also do it for the right reasons. I see a lot of young kids sort of get into MMA or want to get into MMA, I think for the wrong reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, You've got to be in it because you really love it and and it's got to come from like an an intrinsic drive. Uh, I think I see a lot of young kids say they want to get involved in MMA or do try to get involved in MMA for the glitz and the glamour and to say they're an MMA fighter and the reputation that may bring or whatnot. But the reality of actually um, getting that position and then, into a professional career and you know, taking it seriously, and the training and the commitment and the sacrifice it involves, it's a hard slog, you know. Yeah. And that's and the results aren't going to come your way if, if you're not doing it for the right reasons, you know. So, yeah, don't let the fear of failure sort of prevent you from giving it a crack. And then, um, if you do choose to do it, yeah, I think make sure the reasons as to why you do not make sure they're pure and, and, uh, and for yourself, you know, don't try to do it to a Impress anyone else? Yeah,
2: hundred percent. That's awesome. Well, we're gonna do a little a bit, bit of a game, bit of a segment now. Let's do it. Um, it's pretty much a rip off of Would You Rather. We call it This or That. So yeah. we'll give you two scenarios, and <laughs> you, you choose which one you would you would rather um, do. So, win the first one: win by submission or by KO.
1: Um, I've like, yeah. I have to say KO like KO. There's no, but there, then again, like if you are some of those submissions out there, yeah, like if some pretty slick submissions, I've t- I like, I've ebbed and flowed. to what kind of craft I've enjoyed more? Like sometimes I just love my my striking and my kickboxing, yeah. my muay thai, and I just like daydream about these kind of knockouts. And then I'm like at the moment I'm just loving my grappling. I'm yeah. I'm helping coach out of Gracie Botany and I'm loving my no gi again. I want to compete in no gi. <laughs> so like now, if you ask me now, I'll probably say. Some kind of slick submission, you know, yeah. some that I'm playing around with and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'd love to pull this off in a comp. But, um, but I think there is something like there's no misunderstanding about a knockout. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's just clean cut, black yeah. and white. Darn. Someone who's no fight experience can walk away and know exactly what happened, you know. Yeah. Where 100%. submission, some people will be like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Exactly. All right. Next one
2: glass, have a glass chin or a weak ground game?
1: Oh, I'd rather a weak. A weak ground game for sure. Glass chin you're born with, I think, and you can't work on that. Weak yeah. ground game you can improve. Yeah. Um. Yep. Chins you can't change. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Uh, MMA or surfing? Surfing. Yeah, surfing. All day. We thought that we're like, oh, we're was, just gonna I've throw been, it in. Yeah. I yeah, love no, yeah. no, like I like, oh, martial arts will be a part of my life. Yeah. F- until I'm old and grey. Um. But MMA, and I'll always be a fan of it. But yeah, it It, come, it does come. Um. Like with a, a toll on your body, you know. Yeah. And 100%. I still love sparring. I still love kickboxing, boxing. And, um, like I said, I'm, I'm loving my grappling at the moment. Um, yeah, but MMA, to actually compete and, and training, there'll be a stage where I'll probably just it would probably just be hitting the pads and a bit of grappling. But surfing, <laughs> I'll, I'll be out there. Yeah. Yeah. Think, till you're uh, 70 on a I'll board. Know, yeah, maybe when I'll be out there just, yeah, who knows, just on a goat boat or something <laughs> <like> <laughs> now, Just calling people off. Yeah.
0: Perfect. Well, these ones are all surfing now. So here we go. Surf alone at a secluded spot or with a group of friends at a crowded break? Oh, yeah. Um,
1: yeah, that's a tough one. That's tough really one. Hey, it's yeah. what we do here. We, yeah, <laughs> that's <a> great, <laughs> It's not easy. <laughs> because uh, I'd, we I'd probably go with, them, with my mates just because, okay. like, it's yeah. so fun to surf with your mates. If The ways are good and it's crowded, it can make up for it. If the way – yeah, and if you look, if you, if you get amazing waves on a secluded beach just by yourself, as great as that would be, um, you can't share it with anyone. It's kind of, yeah. You get one wave with mates and you can share it, and they're all, or you're know, watching your mates get the wave of their life, it's pretty special too. Yeah. So, better take it with mates. Okay, <laughs> mates.
0: All right, last last one for this or that. Live on a beach but not be able to surf, or live six hours away from any beach and be able to surf.
1: Uh, yeah. Six hours. Yeah, six I'll probably hours. six hours is too. I like my uncle said this like when I was a kid. He goes, like and you could see I was I was love surfing. He goes, rich, you know, rest of your life, you're always only gonna live on the coast. Like you know yep. what I mean? I was like, oh, there's so many, so much land to choose yeah. to live. Yeah, you know, so many different countries, but yep. and he was right. I, I, I could never live off the coast. So, um, like I said, I love spearfishing. I love yep. fishing. I love swimming. Maybe I to take a bodyboarding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, He's like, found the loophole, Jim. What do we do? Yeah, I'm yeah, looking for loopholes, but um, yeah, I couldn't. I can't live too far away from the coast, mate. It'll, uh, I'd, I'd go stir crazy.
0: <laughs> okay, perfect. Well, look, we thank you very much for coming on so far. Final, final segment. It's the Richie Bass quiz. Ooh,
1: yeah. how so well
2: do you know yourself? We do five <laughs>
0: questions. It's with all our guests. So normally they get three. I reckon's the average. So uh, you just got to get three. All right. Uh, all right. First question. You ready? A little bit. You ready? Hit me, hit me. All right. How many collective minutes have you fought in the UFC? So total up all the fighting minutes against Scoggin, Sanjay Chan, Smolka and Martinez. How many? T- okay. Collective minutes. Add them all up. What's that? Dudes?
1: Like just the fighting minutes or the rounds? The, f- as well? the, the fighting minutes. Yeah. All right.
0: So it's 15,
1: 15. Yeah. Two, two went to distance. What's that? 15, 15. That's 30, 40. 40 and say another five. So 45. Mate,
0: 45 minutes and one second. (laughs) That is good. That is good. Math, I'm good at math. That is good.
1: 2,701
0: seconds to be specific. Uh, Mate, that's good. you got that? hang on. All right, that's a tick. Number two, how many UFC events have there been in Australia? So not including the FX or the Fight Night. So just UFC. The big numbered events. The big numbered events. Well, Perth was a numbered
1: event, eh? Melbourne was a numbered event. Sydney um, a few times. Numbered events? Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. I think. Oh, I'll give you a clue. Brisbane? What one was, was Brisbane? Brisbane was one. What was for? I want to say six. Oh, seven. 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 So you had
0: 110, 127, 193, 221, 234, 243 and 284. Oh, yeah. So I think the most recent one just clicked you over in Perth with Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, That was a cracker. That was cracker. All right. Number three, since you're from Maroobah. I'm from Maroobah. I had to throw a Maroubra question in. So what does Maruba translate to in the Aboriginal language?
1: Oh, is it a place of thunder?
0: That's exactly it. So river is an Aboriginal word for like thunder, and the area was so called from the heavy and sometimes wild surf pounding against the rock. Sounds like thunder. Yeah. All right, it's two out of three, Jim. Jim, you give him number four.
2: All right. What is the longest MMA streak you've had in your career?
1: Longest MMA. Wind streak.
0: Wind streak, yeah.
1: Um, I think I went four on one until then I fought for the CFC bannerweight title and got beat by Gustavo. Then I went from there. I think I went all the way up into the the smashes. So, what would that have been? From Gustavo. He's through, got it. He's the he's smashes. It, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what that, what that was, but six fights? Oh, five, 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 five fights? Five. We'll, give yeah, we'll give you five. Give, we'll give you that. Yeah.
2: Five fights. So, it was Byrne, Taylor Smith, Wong, Honstein, and Jaggers. So, yeah, that was yeah, between yeah. July 2010 and August
1: 2012. Yeah, sweet. yeah that, was, that was a fun run. Two years of no-one being there. (laughs) (laughs) All right,
0: final question. You've already passed three. Your documentary featuring yourself and Mark Matthew, Fighting Fear, came out in 2011. So what is the IMDb rating out of 10 it's currently sitting on?
1: What's an IMDb rating? So
0: it's basically a rating that all these like – uh, audience and critics Can like rate it out of 10 Oh yeah,
1: yeah. What's that like it's, it's just on Sour more. grapes
0: don't oh, r- r- right Rotten tomatoes Sour grapes No it's pretty much like that But it's just like The critics version Okay of it, What's of it, it sitting on yeah. Yeah. So now Out of 10 Out of 10 Just above average you'll say 6 Oh mate Higher 7 Higher 8 Lower 7.5 and 7.5 and and half. Half. Seven Going half 35%. good 35% That's It's very good So for reference Yeah exactly There's movies sitting at Seven point four and below, like Harry Potter and the Order of Phoenix, <laughs> <laughs> The Hunger Games, The Talented Mr. Ripley, and Jerry Maguire.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, so yeah. Richie Bass is beating Tom Cruise. So they reckon, yeah. This <laughs> one. Matt Damon. Where's my
1: Logie? Oh, hey, where is it, <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's it. Well, mate? You did well. We'll give you. We'll give you three and a half there. Three and a half. That's, That's a not pass. bad. That's a pass. That's a pass. Um, and final thing we always do with all our guests. You've seen Huss Buller over your left shoulder there. Oh, he's- yeah, yeah, get him I mean. out. We uh we get all our guests to sign the back of Husbullah. Yeah. So grab, grab your pen. We got a so. texture, yeah. Same you, you can, class. You can pick your spot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you would have fought Hasbullah. Yeah, so ink your name with gay waterhouse. I think there's Tommy Berry there, Richie Vass. Beautiful. Beautiful. Mate, wow. you're always there. Big Hasbullah.
1: <laughs> Thanks, boys. No worries. You. And uh what's, Before you, you go, what's your
0: go to Macca's order? Yeah.
1: Oh, you know what? When I was cutting weight, I used to, like, just like just daydream and just about rubbing Maccas all over. I used, to, <laughs> I used to live, like, behind KFC here to yeah. like yeah. on, um, on Mason Street. I could just smell in the southerly just KFC. So oh. I, I would just wet dream between KFC and <laughs> Maccas and just – yeah, I haven't touched it in years. But after a fight, I'll just go get chocolate thick shakes with chicken burgers and just everything, mate. It's gross. <laughs> everything. And like as, a, as big of a glutton as you could be, yeah. and I'd get a KFC feed with that. So I'd be mixing cheeseburgers yeah. with like chicken meals and. Yes, no, it was that was never pretty. Yeah. I'd probably say like my go-to meal because I just whenever I was there, I was just a pig and just whatever you can get. Yeah, I'd smear my face in it. <laughs> yeah, right.
0: Perfect. Well, we thank you very much for coming on. It was a great chat, and uh, hopefully we speak again sometime soon.
1: Thanks for having us on, boys. Awesome.
0: It. Yeah. Thanks.